Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Bob Turner. This is, once again, the Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. We're here at Foley's Fitness in Scarborough, Maine today. Um, I'll just back up a little bit and, and reset on what we're doing. We're, we're, uh, we're getting out, we're talking to people that are kind of doing neat stuff. Um, and we've talked with, with athletes, with business owners, um, and uh, some people struggling with, with health issues. So um, today we've got an interesting guy to talk to. He's Mike Foley's brother. He's Jim Foley. He's a Westbrook native. Uh, we got to pay the rent here for a second, Jim, and, and tell everybody that you're Mike's older brother. That's right. Okay? So he wanted me yep. to make sure I, I said that. Um, as I said, Jim grew up in, in Westbrook, Maine. He's a three-sport athlete. Uh, he went on and played basketball and uh, baseball at UMaine, where he played a bunch of different positions and actually went to the College World Series. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. Not too many people from Maine get to do that. Uh, he's got five children. He's married. Um, when he got out of college, Jim was hired by Unum, sent out to Texas, and kind of hit the fast track on the corporate ladder. Um, he's got a colorful past, which included uh, about a four-year stay in prison. So we're going to talk about that and break that down a little bit, and I'm going to tell, let him tell most of that story. So um, we're sitting with a guy that's been down and out, uh, and he's back. He's been back for about 11 years. We're going to talk to him about what he's been doing since then, what he's been successful at, what are the positives and negatives, the impact on his family and all of those things. So he's a hard driver. He lives in Tennessee right now. That's right, Memphis. Um, yeah, in Memphis and uh, he's back. And like I said, he's, he's Mike's, Mike's older brother, one of them. And uh, you know, so we're interested in hearing your story. So Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for coming today. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. And pleasure to be with you. A Little bit about myself, grew up in Westbrook, Maine. As you mentioned, as I think about growing up is it wonderful family uh grew up yep. catholics my mom and dad went to church every day when they were tired so we had very very good values with things when i take a look at um, high school my life revolved around sports and my friends that was what was most important to me etc on the sports side of things i just put a lot into it but one of the things i'm a little bit disappointed with is that the way my day was depended on how well I did in sport. So it was kind of a silly way to live, but so far anyways, we're still pretty similar. That's right. So <laughs> anyways, but friends, just absolutely great place to uh, grow up. I tell people often about growing up in a mill town. I didn't know anybody rich, but I didn't know anybody poor. Right. We were all the same with things. It was a great place to uh, grow up. And then, as you mentioned, I went up to the University of Maine, very, very good experience uh, up there with things. And then I started in sales with Unum and sent me to Dallas, Texas with things and had a real um, good experience uh, selling with them. I yep. did really well. I was rookie of the year. I tended to be one of their top salespeople with things. And I just absolutely loved the organization. Bunch of great folks at Unum and it really uh, gave me a chance to develop my skill sets there, etc. And then in 1989, uh, I was in the management development program and that yep. allowed me to go over to Memphis to open up the Memphis office for Unum with yep. that. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, you know, small town uh, athlete goes up and makes it, you know, fairly solid at UMaine. Now you're out, uh, you were in Dallas? In Dallas. For Unum? Okay. Yep. All right. Um, and so you were climbing the career ladder, all right? Very successful. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Well, it, it, it is that so uh, while I was managing the Memphis office is that 
I hired a bunch of great people. I had the chance to open up the office and I just always got a tremendous amount of joy and satisfaction out of hiring young people that really wanted to uh, succeed and just helping them grow and watch them grow. So it was an absolute fabulous experience for me. In 1998, I was promoted to regional vice president. That was a big job with the company. Um, I had a number of offices that reported to me, et cetera. And then in, on my birthday of December 21st, 2006, I pled guilty to mail fraud and making false statements with things. Wow. And a little bit uh, uh, around what took place is that first of all, I take complete responsibility with things. Um, I've got no excuses for uh, what took place. It's, uh, it's all on, uh, on me, but basically I was involved in sharing commissions with a broker, which is absolutely a no-no in the insurance business. So the way that Unum, as well as so many insurance companies distribute their products is through insurance brokers. And I worked on the company side of things and I got caught up in sharing commissions, which was uh, absolutely wrong and against the law and caused me to go to federal prison on May 29th of 2007. So this wasn't a small thing, right? I mean, it, it, somewhere in the tune of six million bucks. About $6.6 million, right. So it was, yep, significant wow. amount of money with things. So what's that like? I mean, obviously, you know, of course, everybody screws up in life, right? That's a pretty big one, right? You didn't kill yeah. anybody. Um, white collar crime, really. I mean, so it's a kind of a business thing. Uh, not good judgment. Um, yep. So you mentioned you had five kids. So how old were the kids when that happened? Yeah, it, it, it is that so while I'm working with Unum, great experience, love the company, love the people and had five kids. So when I went to federal prison, I had one that was in the seventh grade, my youngest, I had two in high school and yep. two in college. So I think any time that you go into federal prisons, a terrible time, but that was my situation and I was 49 years old. Okay. So kind of at the time where things should have been going a lot better for me and hit that um, kind of life's plane crash or, you know, basically yeah. drove life in the ditch, so to speak. So it was, um, and it's all my fault. So. That was probably um, probably the most difficult side of things is I had nobody to blame but myself. Yep. And so essentially when you take a look at, well, well, why did you do it? Well, I wanted more money. And so um, it, it was a tempting opportunity that, that came to me, but that's probably an excuse. Um, I did it because I wanted more money with things. <laughs> I had a lot of faulty thinking, like mm -hmm. thinking that I wouldn't get caught. Right. Right. Obviously, if I thought I was going to get caught, you yep. never would have uh, uh, done it with things. One of the strengths I had is that I really believed in certain things. And once I decided to do something, I just went forward with it. And that was just one thing where I made an absolute uh, terrible decision and it just has absolutely, uh, you know, been a terrible situation. Your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I screwed up a really, really good life and hopefully can get things back on track. Yeah. So you're 49 years old. 
you're headed to prison, you got five kids. What do you say to them? Yeah, is that I, I, yeah, I brought the kids together and I told them that I had made a terrible mistake. I made some wrong decisions with things and I was going to uh, go to prison. And I can still remember the day on May 29th is that uh, that morning I say goodbye to all the kids and obviously they're crying and they're upset with things. <clears throat> I had to report at 1230 with things. So you report into prison and ultimately they tell you to take off all your clothes for the infamous strip search right. with things. They want to make sure that you're not uh, taking anything in there. Um, they give you the orange jumpsuit. So the clothes that you have on are boxed up and sent back home. And it was right at that particular point in time that I knew my life would never be the same. Yeah. And from there, they handcuffed and shackled me and they put me in the van to go out to the prison facility with things. And I arrive at the prison's facility and I can remember, so it's May 29th, it's warm, um, coming up on just before, Memorial Day weekend was yep. just before, and you got the orange jumpsuit and you go walking in the prison yard and you got a little bag of toiletries <clears throat> And there's about 200 guys that are in their green uniform during the orange. And they're just all looking at you like, you know, here's the new guy coming in. Right. Yep. Fresh meat with things, etc. And it was just a really, really uh, odd and different experience. They give you a card. You're basically shown to where your cell is, etc. And I went over there and I just couldn't believe that at the age of 49, that now here I am in federal prison. And as I was driving to the facility, all I could think about was my kids and them yeah. crying with things, et cetera. But what made it so hard is that um, it was all on me. Yeah. And so how do you overcome when you absolutely drive the car of life in the ditch. Yeah, this wasn't something that happened to you. Yeah, this yeah, This was yeah. self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. It's absolutely uh, all on uh, all on me. And if there was somebody that I could have blamed, but it was with me and I can't tell you um, how bad I beat myself up, which yeah. I think prison's supposed to do, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I think that's- Part I, of the rehab. I'm yeah, sure. I think that's yeah. part of the rehab, but I just, had such embarrassment and there was so much shame and regret. And what's interesting for me with it is that I just never really gave much thought to shame. You know what right. I mean? It was just, and I had such shame and I was like, God, when I thought about my family and yeah. I thought about all the way back to kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, I thought about being taught by the nuns over at St. Mary's school and they taught us right from wrong. Right. And now I'm in federal prison. Because you guys. came, I mean, you came from a good family. You know, it wasn't like you you came from a family of career criminals. Yeah, yeah, no, and, um, I, and I thought about all the people that I let down. Yeah. So all those people at Una Memphis that I hired and were part of things, I just let those folks down by the decisions I made. And <clears throat> it absolutely was just, um, you know, an experience where you really 
break yourself down, and I can truly say <clears throat> that it causes you to go to rock bottom. And, 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 and I think that's what the system's supposed to do with things. I think it's, uh, it's mission accomplished. Go, yeah, mission accomplished with yeah. things. So tell I mean, you're in there. Like, what's a, what's a typical day? You know, what, what kind of challenges did you face in there? And, and you know, how, how do you, you know, you're just sitting in there staring, just doing time, you know? How'd you stop from going nuts? It, it is that, so early on, all I could think about was how I ruined a great life, how my family was doing. I worried uh, um, about them, etc. And after a period of time, probably a couple of weeks, is that I recognized that if I didn't get control of my thoughts, I was probably going to go into a depression like so many of the folks in, in, oh, yeah. in prison go into. Yep. And I had been in the sales business and had been in sports and you learn the importance of a good attitude and things like that, but I never really put it in the perspective of, okay, how would you deal with things in prison? Right. But my best life lesson for me in prison is life is how you think. Now, it sounds so simple with things, et cetera. Mindset. But I knew I needed to get my mind right with things. And as terrible as prison was, I needed to figure out how am I going to make the most of every single day with things, et cetera. And early on, it was um, interesting. Nobody wants to talk with you, et cetera. Right. It was like the, you know, the first day in there is that I'm laying in bed and just kind of gathering my thoughts. Right. And this guy comes up and he's kind of all straggly and he said, everybody's gotta um, carry around your prison ID. So you didn't go anywhere because if a guard came up to you, they wanted to see your ID. And he said, I'd like to get you a wallet so that you can carry your prison ID. And I'm like, okay, that'd be fine. And he says, okay, that'll be 10 macro. 10 macro? 10 macro. Okay. Yeah. And so obviously you don't exchange money in there. Right. But the method of exchange was the can of mackerels. It used to be stamps, but it turned into uh, mackerels with things. And I'm sitting in there and I'm saying, I've been in prison for about 45 minutes and I already feel like I've been hustled that right. somebody's going to be making me a wallet with things, etc. And nobody else said anything to you, uh, etc. So, um, that was the initial experience. And then the, the other part with it was, I never talked with anybody that went into prison. I didn't know what things were gonna be like, but at 10 o'clock, the lights go out. And Bob, at 10.01, it was like three jet engines in there with all these men snoring. Yeah. There was one guy right next to me, his nickname was Chainsaw. And I don't know how anybody in the world snored as bad as this guy. So Had they, some issues with it. So they put and, the new guy in with yeah, chainsaw. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and anyways, Jesus I mean, Christ. guys used to punch him and kick him because they'd keep him up all night. But anyways, that was one of the things I'm like, well, I thought about a lot of things, but I didn't think what the snoring was going to be like. At I don't know, I don't know that my first move in prison would be punching a guy named Chainsaw. I didn't do it. Just <laughs> other people did right, just right. for for the amount that that goes to show how loud he snored with that. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, that was kind of the way that things were. But then 
I worked extremely hard to make a good use of my time and I did a bunch of reading. Um, I did a lot of writing with things. There was a number of things that I wanted to uh, um, study, uh, you know, things like I've always been a workout guy, so I wanted to study health and nutrition and things along uh, those lines there. You're able to get a great workout in prison. Yep. Uh, you know, not the best environment, et cetera, but right. you, you, you basically got to live the serenity prayer. Yeah. And you basically learn to control what you can control. And the problem was most guys spent all their day complaining about things that they couldn't control. Right. Yeah. And so what I tried to do was do that. And then at the same time, too, is that I loved my job. I was in education. Yeah. So that was a great place to work in prison. But what was best about that is that I got to know a lot of guys that were in there really well. And to me, as I got to know the guys that are in there, I felt even worse for being in prison because yep. I had such a great upbringing. Yep. And some of these folks that were in there just grew up in the hardest circumstances. And I'm not making any excuses for anybody that's been in prison with things, et cetera. Right. Um, you know, if you did something wrong, you deserve to go to prison. But these guys grew up, so many of them, in really tough environments. And I had the best mom and dad, the best parents, and I just absolutely screwed up. And um, it just made me feel worse. Yeah. How, uh, how often were you able to see your family? Is that I was... I was Fortunate from the fact that the prison that I went to was about 45 uh, minutes from our house. And so my family, particularly my wife, was unbelievable. She'd come up to visit um, each chance that she could, which was basically Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep. It's a little bit of a unique environment in terms of what you visit in, but she was fabulous. And I told the kids <clears throat> I wanted them to live their life. And I didn't want them to think, oh, I got to go visit dad in prison. Right. But they were good about coming up to visit too. So I was one of the few that was so fortunate to have uh, visits this with the family, family with things. Yep. So, and then I spent a period of time down in Montgomery, Alabama. In Montgomery, Alabama, the prison was about six hours from home. And I had told the family I didn't want them to come down because all I could think about if anything happened right. and they're coming to visit me in prison. So yeah. my wife came down a little bit when I was uh, when I was down there, but I really didn't want them. How traveling. long were you down there? I was down there a little over a year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So your marriage survived. The marriage survived and it is all a uh, compliment to my wife. Mm -hmm. So when you're in prison, you, over time, nobody wants to get to know you initially, but over time you get to know the, the different folks that are in there. And all these guys are getting what, you know, they call in there the Dear John letters. And they'd be like, oh God, so-and-so's wife's leaving them. Yep. Or, you know, and so many problems or issues took place. And they, guys would come up to me and they'd be like, you know, Foley, are you worried about your wife leaving me? Uh, leaving you? Yeah. And I would say, now this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with her is that she's not going to leave me. And it's like, I'm no romantic guy or anything like that, yeah. but I just know her values. And with her values, I just knew that she was um, going to stay with me, et cetera. I yeah. feel, feel blessed with that. And then probably 
What I feel most fortunate is just the relationship now that I have with my wife and the kids. It's really, really, uh, really good with them. So yeah. anyways. Um, well, so you did about 44 or 51 months. My sentence was 51 months. Yep. And the federal system is that you got to do 85% of that. I had one little hiccup in prison. That's a whole separate story that caused some uh, challenges. But yeah, I ended up doing 44 months in the system. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's it like when you, I mean, you're two years into that and are you just kind of in a groove where you're like, all right, I'm doing my time. We're just checking off, checking the boxes, going through this. We're going to get through it. We're on the downside of it. Did you have a point where you were like, okay, I can do this? I, um, I don't know if there was ever the point where you said I can do this because you don't really have a prison. Choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because prison's just a terrible place because you lost your freedom. Right. Right. You know what I mean? With things is that so you can't go to the kids ball game. You can't go out to dinner. You can't be with your friends. So it's, it's a terrible place, but you nailed it. You don't have a choice, right? right. You, you know, yeah. you're, you're locked up with things, etc. And so you simply deal with it while you're there. But I think the biggest thing is, is that you do your best to put together a plan for that day. And right. I would put a plan together for the day and I would take it a day at a time with things, et cetera. And the other little thing that was um, interest me, another good lesson that I learned in there was gratitude. Now I've always been grateful I'd heard some things about gratitude, but I thought, well, that seems kind of fluffy for me. Right. But what I had just found for me is that when I was in prison in the morning and I would say my prayers, I'm a Catholic, and I became really uh, in a good position spiritually uh, with, with things, et cetera. But then I just would take some time to think about each of the kids and my wife and a smile would come to my face. Just had a lot of good memories with them. so. I really did my best to get the mind control. And I say, I felt like I was pretty good at it before, but prison gave me the chance to get my doctorate and basically mind control thinking. And like I said, the best lesson was for me was life is how you think. And I needed to really think, uh, you know, really think about good thoughts with things. Yeah. <clears throat> what, uh, what are some positives that, I mean, that's a pretty negative experience. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get much worse than that, right? In there for 44 months. What, what's a positive that came out of that for you? I, I don't think that there will ever be a time that I say, hey, looking back, prison was actually good for me because right. um, it, it, it was terrible. And I always just feel horrible for what I did as well as um, what I put my family right. through. Sure. So I don't think that I will ever get there, but there are so many life lessons. And yep. so now on the other side of it, etc., I recognize that every day is a gift from God. Yep. So there'll be things that go on and people might be complaining with things. And I just feel the most blessed and fortunate guy. And so if you can take every day, no matter how it goes and just feel super fortunate and very blessed with things. And I really want to make sure that I never forget that prison experience because it keeps me positive on all the wonderful things that I do have uh, going on today sure. and a part of today. Yeah. 
you've got a, a good perspective. Um, do you have, I'm sure that that probably didn't go over real big with your family and friends and, and just extended network. Do you have people that, that have written you off and don't speak to you today as a result of what happened? I feel blessed that my family, my brothers and sisters, and all my close friends um, have stayed with me all the way. Um, and, and, and it doesn't happen often in, in, in that yeah. particular circumstance. I do know as I've come into the business world, when you take a look at the interaction business-wise, if I'm trying to do business with you, Bob, it's all about establishing trust. Right. And I, at some point in time, early on in any of the business discussions, I let people know that I'm a convicted felon. Well, convicted felon says, don't trust this guy, right? I mean, Fair. obviously Fair. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're a felon with things, uh, et cetera, and I wanna let people know about my past, et cetera. So I clearly know there's been numerous business opportunities that have just been um, not taken place simply right. because of that. And, and, and I always come back, that's all on me. That's my fault. People got opportunities to buy from all kinds of different folks. And why do you want to possibly subject yourself to getting engaged with a convicted felon? Yeah. So that one's on me. We, we spoke a bit on the phone uh, leading up to this. And then again today, one of the things that you touched on a couple times is paying Unum back. Where are you at with that? You, the, the number was about six million bucks, right? Yeah, it, it, it is that what I was involved with was $6.6 .6 million. I've got about $2.2 million to pay them back. Um, one of, probably my number one goal financially is to get Unum paid back. They were a, a great company. They gave me a great opportunity. And um, so, uh, you know, Basically, on the pay that I get, a certain percent goes to uh, paying them uh, back, et cetera. And so um, I, I hope I, to get that done. I'm getting older now with things, yep. et cetera, but I've got a really good mindset in terms of I've always loved business. I've always loved to stay active. I've got the mindset that I'm working until they put me in the pine box. So I think I'll get them paid back before it's done, and that will just give me a lot of joy and satisfaction that that's one think. of the things that I got accomplished on this big blemish that I have. Well, it's one thing to, to, you know, do the crime, do the time, right? If you just got the time to do, so to speak, not to minimize it, you come out and you've got, you've got a steep bill to pay, you know? So that's, that's, I'm sure that hangs on you. Um, and, and you've had to you know, live your life and, and try to, you've been out what, 11 years now? Yeah, I've been out 11 years. So that's yep. something that you've been working on. What have you been doing for the 11 years that you've been out? Yeah, so I immediately got started. So I got out of prison March 15th of 2011. The next day I feel so fortunate because so many people just can't get a job. I got a job working for a company called Safeware that was in the warranty administration business. The guy that owned the company had a lot of confidence that I could grow revenues there. I was excited about learning a new field. So at Unum, we did the employee benefits. So yeah. I've always loved uh, uh, the employee benefits uh, as a business, et cetera. <clears throat> but I got involved in the 
warranty business then. And my plan initially was to stay about three or four years to help them uh, get the company jump started, as well as the plan was for me to kind of get back into society. So in some ways it was a win-win and I was very grateful for getting the opportunity to go to work there. And I ultimately stayed um, a little bit longer, about six or seven years. And then in 2020, I started completely on my own in the warranty business with things. So what's the warranty business? Mm. Is that when you take a look at uh, the oh, work that the I do. Oh, you're the guy that calls me about my extended car warranty. It, it, yeah, yeah, the no? business that we're in a little <laughs> bit is, um, it, it, it's more with the computers, laptops okay. and tablets. So companies are buying those. And then I do some work in the appliance side of things too. Yep. You know, working with appliance stores that sell, you know, the refrigerators, the washer dryers, yep. putting a warranty there. So that's what I've done. And then in 2017, um, Mike had called me about getting involved with him in the gym. Yep. And it was uh, it was interesting. The timing was was really good. I'm living down in Memphis though. And I was rooting things on because Mike was talking with some other people about doing some things here, but he wanted me to get involved with him to help him out on the business True. side of things. This was a big play for Mike. I mean, we're, and we're going to talk with Mike in another podcast too, but I mean, you can jump into that a little bit. Mike was at World Gym. He was, he, Mike is the, you know, if you talk nutrition in Maine, his name comes up. He's the guy. Um, so here's Mike. He's looking, he's always talked with me about wanting to do a, a beautiful gym. Here we are sitting in it today. So you had a part of the strategic planning of that? Yeah, yeah. is that, um, so Mike was working with a real estate guy and I'm just down in Tennessee rooting him on. I am Mike's biggest fan. I mean, I just, um, sure. I was nine years old when Mike and his twin brother were born. I got to see them grow up. I've always loved kids and just um, had the best relationship with those two guys. And when Mike asked me to uh, get involved is that, number one, my wife's from Gorham. So she was excited about getting involved yep. in a business back in Maine. Give us a chance to uh, get a connection here. <clears throat> I've always been a workout guy. I've always just wanted to stay as athletic as I can stay for my age. Sure. So if I'm 35, I want to be the most athletic 35-year-old yeah. Jim Foley can be. Right. And so that's been my mindset. So I was always um, at the gym, running, working out, playing basketball, doing the things there. So it fit in with my core uh, values with things. And then it just simply came down to it was like, oh, my God, I would do anything for Mike. So I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is neat. And I told Mike is that... If I get involved with something, I'm very determined to get it done. So let's see if we can take a run at it. And as with anything in business is that you run into all kinds of challenges. But what I tried to bring to the table is this. Mike Foley is one of the top fitness guys in the country. When it comes down to nutrition, like you said, right. he's so well known. But when it comes down to exercise, I mean, Mike has gone 25 years working out every single day for 25 years. The guy just lives this to the core. 
And so you nailed it, Bob. What I wanted to do is bring the strategy of the business. So mm -hmm. I wanted to help with the business plan. I wanted to help with the loans, help with the designs. But this beautiful facility for 25 years, Mike's been putting this he together has. brick by brick, et cetera. And I just gave him a little bit of business guidance along the way because I do love to talk about strategy. I just yeah. think you got to say, Mike, what's going to make us different? What's going to make us unique with these things right. here? And we spent a lot of time talking about those things. So basically, he talked to me in 17. We spent 2018 getting the plans together, getting the loans, the SBA loans. And then we started construction. Yep in 2019 and opened up December 1st of 2019. So, and then COVID hit. Yeah, is that, um, that, that was where it just caused me to think, oh my God, am I just gonna be a jinx with everything? <laughs> I end up having my big fall with Unum with things. Now we get involved with the gym. And Were this. there any hurdles with this, with, with, you be, with you being involved and just being candid with your background? Well, uh, it, 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 it was a, a net positive, I'm sure. It, 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 is that I'm involved. In, so, so my wife's involved as the investor. I yep. can't be involved. Right. So um, as a convicted felon, so... Um, but she wanted she wanted to do that. I do a lot of the work and guidance with things. So there's nothing um, like illegal or you know being involved with it right. there. But it, it's like I can't go out and get a loan yeah. as a convicted felon. Right. So my wife's involved with this as Mike. I'm part of it, and then we've got the investors that are in there too. Yeah. So yeah, just every where you go is a felon it always stays with you yeah, i'm not saying that it's wrong you don't I'm just saying it. it is it, it, it just the way it is and so um it's one of the it, it's an indelible stain that i'm gonna have for the rest of my life yeah yeah you wear it you wear it yeah. absolutely do yeah and i mean in your case i've talked to you a couple few times and i mean i wouldn't say you lead with it but it's something that you you're very uh, open about yeah, I, I, I'm so embarrassed by it, and, and, and I just feel like I got to get it out there. And it's so weird because all my relationships and business were built on trust. And yeah. I just was able to connect with people. Right. And I just want to get that out to them as soon as I can because I don't want to be thinking, oh my God, what would it be like if Bob finds out I'm a felon? I right. just want to tell you. Yeah. So. Anyways, I, I, I do my best to, you know, to get it out there in a, in a reasonable way. And to me, what was so hard is that it's not like, hey, take a look at the pamphlet on how you present yourself as a convicted felon. They, it was like they don't give you a manual. When yeah, you leave prison. yeah, I didn't I, I didn't get the manual with that. So <laughs> I just felt like I needed to do what felt right to me. And that's just. Oh. get it out and kind of take it head on well and, and you're helping your brother there's no better yeah yeah now thing. with the yeah yeah with the gym is, is that so you know we started out just with our mission on what we believe in is that to improve an individual's quality of life through exercise and nutrition right and it's like what's better than that right you know mike's doing the nutrition side of things lives it breathes it we got a beautiful facility in terms of a uh, place for people to work out and I have found so much joy and satisfaction being in this business because you really are helping people in that manner. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm just so excited about being part of it. And this is Mike's deal, is that yeah. uh, 
Mike has worked his tail off over sure the has. years, built an unbelievable reputation. I mean, he's the most caring guy really that is. you can that you can meet, and his clients uh, just um, you know are so close to him. So I'm just navigating a little bit here and there on the business side of things, but this is 1,000% Mike's, and I couldn't be happier. Is that I say is that. You know, my dream was to play for the Boston Red Sox. Yep. Didn't happen. Mike's dream was to have his gym, and here it is. Here so, it is. You had a little good part for Mike, and I'm so happy for him. Well, how often do you get to Maine? I get to Maine once a quarter. Once so a I come up every three months. Yep. Yeah, and that was the nice part with it is that when we lived away, we'd always come up to Maine in the summer. Yep. Kids were out of school, and so they always had, um, you know, a nice um, chance to get to know Maine, et cetera. But what really um, interested me when Mike said about getting involved, it's like, God, it would be great to have something that brings me back up to the roots, so to speak. Yeah. So I've really uh, enjoyed that. And that's where we, you know, we're a small company, not that we have a quarterly board meeting, but we like to get together to review the business with things. And Absolutely. we have our weekly calls, uh, et cetera. But I like to get up every three months. So uh, are your kids around you or they're, how old are they and what are they up to? Yeah, so my kids range from the youngest is 27. So the yep. one that was in seventh grade that um, um, when I went into prison and my oldest is 40. Okay. So they're all about three years apart. They're right in that range. Uh, they're doing great. Is that the two boys live in Memphis, which is where we live. Yeah. And then the three girls all went back to Dallas. No kidding. So the three girls live in Dallas with things and I'm blessed to have grandkids in Dallas and in Memphis. And the nice part is when I get over to Dallas, I get to see all the girls and the grandkids. Yep. So um, that works out great. And then um, my boys both run their own business in um, in Memphis. And my youngest, uh, he majored in risk management. He's in the employee benefits business. So yep. that time that I lost with him in prison, I love now giving back to him now in terms sure. of trying to strategize on how he does some of the things that he's doing with things and love giving him ideas and thoughts on how best to approach that business. Well, it's interesting as a parent too, when you go from being kind of dad to go into having an adult relationship with your kids, right? Yeah, yeah, just, it, it, it is so special with things. And now the chance that I get to uh, work with about three of them on some things business-wise, I get so much, uh, joy and satisfaction out of that so you uh you yeah. yeah you nailed it with things well said you got quite a story they say they say everybody's got at least one book in them would you ever write a book you know i think anybody buy it <laughs> I, I, I i've written a book and i need to have the you courage have. yeah i need to have the courage now to uh get it published Is part it? of uh what's is it about um, your slow, experience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of in, and more. Um, I'd almost like to have to be the book for felons. You know right. what I mean? Because I want, I would like to help them understand what you need to do to reinvent yourself and to kind of get back on track with yeah. things. Is that it's, you know, one of the buzzwords is reinvent yourself and how do you change? But yeah. as a felon, you really need to uh, need to do that. But how in the hell do you go about reinventing yourself, et cetera? Right. And I just gave that a lot of thought with things, et cetera. And that's kind of the book. And I thought, boy, if I could 
get that to Fallon so that when they're getting out is that they've got a little bit of a roadmap on what to do. That's what I'd like to do. So, well, I think it uh, says a little something about you that you, you got out and got a job the next day. You didn't okay. waste any time. You know, you didn't, you didn't kind of sit home and say, well, I'll, I'm going to take a break and, and uh, consider my options. You got a job and went set about reinventing yourself. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I, I've always thought of myself as an action guy, right? Yeah. Just want to make things uh, happen with things, etc. And so anyways, uh, just needed to jump right in and start facing society again. What, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of people watching this. What would you say to somebody that's like, ah, you know, guy's a, he's a criminal, you know, I'm about to listen to what he says. Um, how do you deal with that? You know, the, I wouldn't say haters, but somebody that's a, you know, that's not, it's not uh, buying your story. Yeah, is it? So first of all, it's it's all on me. So I have um, no excuses. If anybody uh, wanted to feel that way, I feel that um, I put that on myself. So, sure. so so it's all on me. They're entitled to that, right? But what I what I learned in prison because. Those first few days when I'm sitting in there and I'm thinking back to kindergarten and I'm thinking back to my parents and my high school and college friends and just beat myself up, I was like, are you just a fraud? Right. I mean, who in the world goes, to, have you just been lying to yourself for 49 years and you're, and you're not a good person? And finally, as I started to forgive myself, yeah. Is that I said, Jim Foley's not a bad person. Jim Foley demonstrated some really bad behaviors. So now the situation is, is Jim Foley going to change and not do those bad behaviors? Right. And if Jim Foley's going to do those bad behaviors, send his ass back to prison, right? You know, with things, etc. But if somebody's willing to change, then it's um well it doesn't always go the way it's gone with you either when somebody gets out and they struggle with addiction or they struggle with depression and anxiety or whatever it is and, and just the the reintegration i'm guessing isn't always this I, I i'm so fortunate and blessed and i've tried to just guide some folks but so many of them just can't get a job yeah right so you know if you take a look at it and say you went to prison for selling drugs and I got to know so many folks that were in the drug world uh, in there, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you're running into roadblock, roadblock. Well, you still got to get food. You still got to get rent. Is that they go back to the bad behaviors. Yeah. And I'm not justifying the bad behaviors, but it really is a challenge when every job application is, you know, are you a felon? And, and then if it's like, yeah. hey, I'm not, hiring somebody that's a felon unless I need to, uh, so yeah. to speak. So well, somebody took a flyer on you. Exactly. Was, it a, was that person a, a connection from years past? Yeah, yeah. It was an old Unum person. Yep. They saw my abilities in business. So they knew that I could go in and, and help them. But they, um, they, they recognized what I did was absolutely wrong. But I think they knew me pretty good at the core too, yeah. in terms of what I was about, and then thought that I could really help them get that business off the ground with yep. this. Well, this story, is it's interesting to me because when Mike asked me if I remembered you and I, I it piqued my interest and I said, oh, you did something with investments, right? And I and then it started to come back to me, but I, 
I mean, I'm a, my, both of my folks worked at Unum for years, retired from Great there. Great organization. And yeah, and so I, I say, hey, that company put clothes on my back for mm -hmm. years. Um, but I watched them, um, you know, there was the merger of equals back in, what year was it? Uh, 98. 98, and you know, it, it took my dad who had, you know, basically had his whole career there, show up at work one day and say, hey, your whole division is out the door. Yeah. We've got a, an investment division in Chattanooga and you guys Correct. are all done. Here's your, here's your paycheck and you know, see you later. So um, it just uh, anyway, it was just uh, very yes. interesting to talk to you about yeah, it because I do have some familiarity with the company. Um, but I mean, what you did was a pretty serious shit. You know, absolutely. And, and I don't you know, you don't outrun that. No. Nope. Uh, what I see is a guy that's out doing the best he can to to live with it. Um, you you know, like I said, you don't lead with it, but it's not far, far behind because you're dragging it with you. It's a, a bit of a ball and chain, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, kudos to you for for stepping up and, and and reinventing yourself and and, you know, taking the rest of your life as, you know, per se and, and really getting back to who you felt you were before it happened, before you made the bad choices. So this has been an interesting uh, hour or so. Um, you know, I, I thank you for sitting down. Thank and you. For the transparency and the vulnerability. That's what we're looking for when we get out and talk with people. And uh, like I said, we've talked with business professionals, fitness professionals, um, you know, people that are dealing with Jamie Logan on here who's a member here. You might know Jamie. Uh, he's got Parkinson's disease. So we're talking with a wide variety of people. So when I got a chance to do this, I, I jumped at it um, awesome. and just get a chance to get to know you and talk to you. I think it's a cool story, you know, other than the, right. other than that 44 oh, yeah. months, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, as we wrap up, is there anything that you would say to, to you know, anybody that's listening, whether you want to add something about uh, making better choices or being in business or what is it that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, just a few things that come to, you know, my mind is that Ultimately, the decisions that you make every single day is going to determine your future self. Yep. And I made some really bad decisions that I just didn't think that I was going to get caught. But it seemed like everybody that I met in prison didn't think they were going to get caught, etc. And so one message would be is that if there's things going on in your life and you know they're wrong. I mean, Bob, I was in church every Sunday say my prayers, taking the kids to church, I'd go to confession and I'd talk about, well, I'm involved with some business impropriety and then I'd be out involved in, uh, in, in doing it. So right. um, just if there's some things that you're doing wrong in life is that now's the time to turn things around before you do get, uh, before you do get caught. It's never too late, so, right? Yeah, it's never it's too, late too late to change your behavior. One yeah. of the things that you said that resonated with me is, is gratitude. Uh, and not a lot of people that have been through what you've been through would maybe look at it that way. And you talked about mindset a lot. So you've really, you know, to conquer your own mindset uh, is something that I'm working on that right now. Just having a positive mindset all mm -hmm. the time and not letting negative stuff or extraneous bad things, uh, you know, affect your day. So um, to sit and talk with somebody like you, that's kind of, I mean, you're really a champion of that. Um, you had plenty of time to work on it, right? Plenty um, of time to work so, on it. Yeah. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming today and thanks for being on. Um, it was a pleasure to get to know you and hear your story. And, and I'm looking forward to getting it out. Thank you guys for listening and tuning into it. Shoot us a, uh, give us a subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out with Bob Turner on YouTube. Um, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. This is week 10. No podcast ever makes it past seven. So thank you for helping us with that. 
Um, we're at Foley's Fitness in Scarborough, Maine. I think next week we'll have Jim's brother Mike on, so we'll, we'll talk more about this gym. I don't know how the sound was. That's going to be on Mitchell to get that tuned up for us because we had people make, we had people making shakes in the background <laughs> trying to use the door. One guy almost walked across the screen. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Thanks for staying with us on yeah. this, and I will catch you again real soon. Thank you. Thank you, Jim.